This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, September 27th. Coming up, we'll hear from Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas on the U.S. Department of Justice investigation into racial discrimination at the city police department. But first, some headlines. People seeking the monkeypox vaccine in Missouri will no longer have to fill out a form stating their sexual identity and behaviors. Sarah Fentum reports. People who haven't been exposed but who still want the vaccine can apply to get it by filling out an online form. The survey asks questions about people's sexual identity and whether they've engaged in group or commercial sex. The state has now changed the eligibility after hearing concerns that the form discouraged people from getting the vaccine. Missouri now allows clinics to confirm patients are eligible for the vaccine without requiring them to sign personalized forms. Health workers and LGBTQ advocates say the change will streamline the process and let them vaccinate more people. A Belton substitute teacher faces felony charges for child molestation and attempted enticement of a minor. KCUR's Carlos Moreno reports. Prosecutors accused Jason L. Carey, 42, of allegedly sending sexually explicit texts and videos of himself to at least two 13-year-old female students at Belton Middle School in early September. He is also accused of fondling an 8-year-old girl in August when they swam at his Belton residence. She told authorities he showed her pornographic videos during the visit. Carey denied inappropriately touching the girl and claimed she found the videos when she used his phone to play video games. He is being held without bond in Cass County Jail until his next hearing in October. Kansas prison officials have been disciplining inmates based on alcohol detection tests that weren't being used correctly. That practice stopped once the Kansas News Service pointed out the issue. Blaze Mesa has more. The Elko Screen Standard Saliva Test can estimate someone's blood alcohol content. It was previously also used to measure alcohol in drinks. But the FDA updated the uses for this test in 2013 to say it can only be used on saliva. Prisons never got the message and continued to use the tests incorrectly, potentially leading to false positives. Inmate Jeremy Williams was written up for an alleged violation. He says no one believed him when he wanted to fight the result. They pretty much tell you we have to go with the officers. The officers tell the truth. We are told that you inmates lie. The prison system did not say whether it would undo past write-ups based on misused tests. Last week, the U.S. Department of Justice announced it would investigate the Kansas City Police Department for alleged racial discrimination in hiring. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas told KCUR's Steve Kraske what he hopes will come from the probe. Here's part of their conversation from Up to Date. Well, let's start with that Justice Department investigation into the hiring practices in the Kansas City Police Department. The department is going to examine whether there's a pattern or practice of racial discrimination in the way it employs people. Mayor, what's your reaction that the department is launching this probe? Well, you know, I think there are a few different reactions that we should have. First, I think it needs to be welcome. I think we need to do a better job of understanding what are the concerns, particularly of black officers. The Kansas City Star did a very long series about discrimination, at least alleged discrimination within the department. I think the Board of Police Commissioners really has not responded at all to a lot of the questions that were raised, from whistleblower uh, claims to any number of issues, including a black officer that believes he was profiled and stopped by two white officers. So I, I would hope that the board takes the opportunity to look introspectively at what we've been doing, how we can make sure our own officers are comfortable working with the department, feel like 
like they've been listened to, feel like they're able to get good promotion opportunities. If we are not able to do that, then we need to look to make change. You know, based on the nearly four years that you served in the, on the board of police commissioners, do you think the department has an issue in the way it hires people to be officers on the force? You know, I think when we hire new officers, we are, are trying to get anybody available. That said, I think that how you actually promote people, how you retain people, how you punish folks is very important in terms of how the department keeps going because the best recruiting tool are usually connections inside the department. And if you have a groundswell of black officers or Latino officers or women who are saying, well, you know, I don't feel like I was able to get the same opportunities as others, as has been claimed, then I think that has a huge impact on our ability to recruit blacks outside of of the department now to get new people in. So you think there might be issues? I think there might be issues, and I think it uh, is is somewhat clear when you hear the preponderance of different issues that are coming up. I think there is, and there has always been largely, a leadership issue. I am not a fan of the board system. I've articulated that before. Given the lack of accountability, these are the sorts of things that fester, and I think it is important we have an outside group that takes a look. You know, the star, you mentioned the star's deep dive into this a few months ago. It found that nearly uh, 30% of the city's residents are black, yet just 12% of officers uh, are black. In the command ranks, the record is even worse. Just 6% of captains are black, uh, the star found. There were only three black majors at the time. And yet the department has been focused on this as an issue, you know, since the days in the late 80s when I covered uh, police for the star. And I don't think the numbers were much better at that time. Why can't the department turn this around? Well, that to me is the biggest problem, right? They, they should not be the same numbers that you saw in the late 1980s and the early 1990s. There should be a progressing trend. And I am not one of those who simply says, well, that's just who applies. I have a mayor's office right now that is almost all women, almost all women. They are not the only ones who apply. It just so happens that when you're looking for talented people and when you're keeping your eyes open on folks that may not have familial relations, may not be from the same types of groups that you're getting them from, then you can actually get a more diverse pool. That requires you, I think, to be, frankly, a lot more aggressive as to where you're recruiting, HBCUs all around the country, for example, making sure that you're going to other military bases, but looking at affinity groups from other diverse areas. Well, isn't the department doing that or is uh, it not? They're doing elements of it, I think, but uh, it's a bit of a, of a fits and starts sort of thing. I think your commitment can't just be one guy or, or several, and I know that they've expanded somewhat what those efforts are. It needs to be sustained. It needs to be consistent. And importantly, it needs to be part of what the Board of Police Commissioners is asking. We meet once per month as a Board of Police Commissioner. So basically, as much as any of your neighborhood garden clubs meet, we meet. And for several hours, we talk about things. But I don't know if there are enough questions where we're saying, Chief so-and-so, we are judging you on your ability to make sure that you are diversifying the department, that you are representing the best of Kansas City and terms of what we're doing. We can't just fall back on you know, law enforcement officers are heroic and all of that, and therefore no questions can be asked. We have to do better, and I think right now we have not been pushing them enough to do that. But in fairness, other cities around the country uh, have very much the same issue, and that begins to suggest that, you know, decades-long attitudes uh, from the African-American community directed at police might be at play here? You know, I, I think, of course, there is some impact of, of decades-long views on policing and interactions with communities. That said, I think there are some departments that are doing very 
very good jobs of attracting a diverse workforce. Miami, for example, does a strong job on that recruiting side. The Los Angeles Police Department, which itself has quite an interesting history, has a very diverse department, one of the more diverse departments in the country. It is not impossible to change the way these things are, and I think it's something that we need to make sure we're, we're looking at. But back on the DOJ investigation, let me know, first of all, it is a very big deal that they're looking at us. I believe during the Biden administration, they have only launched one of these investigations of the Minneapolis Police Department, hmm. and then there's Kansas City. So this is not the sort of thing that should just be blown off with one press statement, and then it just goes away for a while. It's a big deal. You know, Gwen Grant, who runs the Urban League, told KCUR the other day that she hopes that this investigation ultimately is broadened, made Mayor, to include what she called patterns of excessive and deadly force. Should this investigation be broadened, and if so, will you ask the Department of Justice to do that? I think right now I'm comfortable with the extent of the investigation, but I will say this. We have reported a lot publicly in terms of lawsuit settlements for excessive force. There's been a conviction, a criminal conviction in connection with it. I think what I, as a member of the public and also a member of the police board, want to see is what is the follow-up to make sure some of these things don't happen again. Too much of what we say in policing in Kansas City and certainly elsewhere is, all right, maybe there was a mistake, maybe there wasn't, but just trust us. Trust us that we are doing better. I don't know if that's enough. And in other areas of City Hall, of course, you see us make changes. We need to start seeing that same progression at the police department. And what I'd like to see out of this investigation is, frankly, what you see at any college campus. When the NCAA investigates you, usually the university does its own internal investigation and then reports their findings to the NCAA. That's the model we should use. I fear that is not the model that the Board of Police Commissioners majority will adopt. Is there any interest outside of yourself in doing exactly what you just said? I absolutely do not believe so. Uh, I would have liked to have. We actually had a board meeting earlier this week in connection with the police chief search. I think we will have another board meeting on Tuesday. I think there is nothing wrong with us having that robust discussion. And frankly, if we aren't going to just think that the state control system is a farce, we need to actually have these discussions. Us not doing so, I think, continues to indict this system as one that does not listen to the interests of the people of Kansas City. You know, one final point here on this Department of Justice probe. One likely outcome of an investigation like this is a consent decree. Mayor, what is a consent decree and what are you anticipating will be the outcome of this whole thing? A consent decree is a settlement between the Department of Justice and a police department and typically a city to make sure that they're following best practices. That might be expanding your recruiting, might be having more whistleblower protections for officers who are reporting misconduct. And then those rules have to be followed. A judge, a federal judge, would typically oversee compliance with it. Sometimes you'll have a monitor, someone who's an upstanding lawyer in the community who oversees it. For this investigation, I think it is a bit too early to tell in terms of what will happen, but that's why I push this approach. There is nothing to keep us from investigating ourselves, saying where can we do better? There is no harm in saying that we need to build better trust. And, and you know, here's what I would say to some who may be more on the conservative policing side of things. Our officers who have reported concerns are 20-year, 25-year veterans. These are not activists from off the street. These are folks who have given their career to policing and public safety in Kansas City who are saying something is seriously broken and concerning. We need to listen to them and do that work. That was Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas and KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. 
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. On Thursday, September 15th, FBI agents arrested a former police detective on charges that he raped, sexually assaulted, and kidnapped two women in the 90s. And this was a big deal. He was known on the street for messing with women that were on the street. She told me don't ever go around her because he was the devil. She called him a snake. But it's not over. It's still not over because he got arrested. He got to get convicted. Roger Galuspe should pay his debt. I'm Peggy Lowe, and I've been reporting on former Kansas City, Kansas police detective Roger Golubsky and corruption within that department for the past two years, which is why I know that these federal charges are just a tiny piece of a decades-long story. In 1994, Roger Golubsky put an innocent man in prison for 23 years. There was nothing to tie me to this crime, nothing. They made up the whole entire thing. And it wasn't until 2017 when that man was exonerated and a list of murdered and missing women appeared that people in power started to realize how deep this story went. You understand that we're accusing you of terrorizing black women in Kansas City, Kansas for decades, correct? On the advice of my attorney, I invoked my Fifth Amendment constitutional rights. After I heard about all these women and the things that went on, that was one thing that I was really scared about because I'm like, this man is a homicide detective. Death is nothing to him. Her murder was never solved, right? No. For decades, Roger Golubsky used his badge to exploit women and it was an open secret. They saw this, what he did right before their eyes. And the common refrain was, well, that's Roger being Roger. But there were people in Kansas City, Kansas, who tried to sound the alarm. It's just that not enough people listened. Overlooked is a new investigative podcast from KCUR Studios and NPR's Midwest Newsroom, where we're going to dive into the whole story. So the FBI said he might be connected to the murders of how many people? Girl, they said a lot. And meet the people leading this movement, demanding justice and accountability. Rhonda Tribune, whose family is here with us today. She was murdered on October 8th, 1998. My sister can't speak, none of the women can speak, so we have to be their voice. We have to be their voice. Overlooked. Coming soon. Subscribe now.